Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the United District podcast. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the host of Beyond the Pitch, a podcast where this man has spoken to some of football's most well-known personalities and legends. It's the one and only Phil Brown. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, lads. No, it's great to have you on and the return of football. There's a lot to tackle now, a lot to mm. talk about. Football coming thick and fast. Uh, tr- transfers obviously still underlying and being mumbled about beneath the surface. So uh, got got a lot to talk, lot, a lot to talk about in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I'm going to ask you quite a general question. Uh, it's it's pr- probably going to take you a minute to answer it. But um, <laughs> what are your general thoughts on United this season? Obviously, we're on a great run of form at the minute since mm. the restart, and when we were before the restart. Obviously, Solskjaer's. Well, that seems like a while. It is still Solskjaer's first sort of full season as uh, as permanent United manager how do you think he's fared and how, how do you think United have done in general uh, this, this season well I think you have to break the season up into different segments the start of the season was really poor uh, and completely avoidable uh, and the problems that plagued United throughout the first part of the season were predictable mm. they had um, a dearth of quality in midfield they let midfielders go in the summer they didn't sign midfielders they should have signed Bruno Fernandes six months before they did yeah. so the, what we saw the first half of the season was really unforgivable um, because this was predicted by anyone who had a brain over the summer when United didn't send a midfielder where everyone expected at least one to come. Yeah. Uh, remember, United were telling people in uh, August that they were really upset that even they were linked with Bruno Fernandes mm. and here they are six months later sending him and completely transformed the football club. Um, <clears throat> but if you break it up into the second segment of the season, you have to be really encouraged because when Solskjaer comes in, you get the new manager bounce, you get confidence, everything changes, and you ride that wave for a while. Then reality sets in, mm. and then different questions get asked. And so Solskjaer's been asked different questions after Burnley. Okay, now you have to show you're a football manager. Now you, what will matter and what will turn us around is human qualities like character, uh, will to win, determination, uh, and it's very difficult to change that. And once you get a negative working environment in any place mm. of employment, it's very, very difficult to change it. Uh, so I think what's really encouraging is that Solskjaer, the, what we're seeing today isn't the new manager bounce, um, and, and we've seen fundamental changes. Bruno Fernandes has been brought in, Mason Greenwood has added something on the right-hand side that Daniel James didn't bring. So there's tangible things that are responsible for this turnaround that makes me believe it's more than just form hmm. so uh very very exciting yeah, yeah as a united fan i must agree is exciting times it's a far cry from sort of um as you touched on you know touched on the burnley result there which is one of the most mm-hmm. sort of damning results of the season for us and obviously mm-hmm. since then so it's all been upwards really so that, that that's been good i was just gonna ask you what you think you said there's a lot of factors that's come into uh mm-hmm. in, into this sort of run of form Solskjaer as a manager, there's a lot been a lot of criticism aimed towards him about sort of the tactical side, you know, people making comparisons commonly to, you know, Jose Mourinho and, and Simeone, Allegri, you know, managers like that are constantly, you know, pitted against him about his sort of capabilities. Do you think credit has got to be given to Solskjaer tactically for, for this turnaround? Well, I mean, he had a team that was one-dimensional, that um, he couldn't play any other way other than on the counter-attack because, you know, didn't have the quality in midfield to control possession. Mm. So they became quite predictable. So you saw they started well at the start of the season. Once teams worked them out, worked on James out, that they were hitting on the counter-attack, then, you know, they started to lose games and they became quite easy to defend against. Yeah. Um, especially if a team took the lead against United, they just sat in, knowing they, knowing they didn't have the quality to break them down with Pogba being injured. So, um I think once he got the players in midfield, like Pogba and Fernandes, you've seen tactical diversity. You've seen United dominate possession in games that they've never done. Mm. They don't panic. They went behind at the weekend. 
against Bournemouth. They still came back and won the game. They went behind against Spurs. They came back and got it back in the game. These are games they wouldn't have got back into if they didn't have the quality in midfield. So um, I think since he's had the players at his disposal, he's shown tactical diversity. But you know, people play football manager games. People play all these stupid games at home. Think that they're they've got an idea of what it's like mm. to be a football manager. They've no idea, mm. and how difficult it is. And um, games are constantly changing tactically throughout the game. And so yeah. um, one manager makes a sub, another manager changes his lineup, changes his formation, and so. It's just it's very very difficult. Um, I think he didn't have the players to play any other way. And uh, people talking about Simeone. If Simeone was at United, <clears throat> the fans would be moaning within three four weeks because he plays a very compact defensive style, um, and it's completely contrary to what we see at United. So um, you know they see results, they don't watch games and think that's what they need. But I think you have to give Solskjaer a lot of credit because at this moment in time, if he walked away from United today. He'd walk away with a reputation intact as a good, very good football manager who'd done an exceptional job at a very difficult football club that top managers before him couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So if he wins a trophy this year, I think you have to give him enormous credit. And, you know, United are 16 unbeaten. After Burnley, they'd lost 4-7. and seven. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. No, and you, you sort of touched on there how, how good a job Solskjaer's done saying that he'd, you know, he'd walk away with a bit of pedigree now. And I know that... A few months ago, the, the conversation was completely different. There was a suggestion, you know, from some fans yeah. that, he, that he'd perhaps get sacked from United and never get a job mm. at, the, at the top level again. It was getting that sort of that sort of serious, and the criticism was that sort of deep. So it's it's interesting and it's a positive thing to see how how well he has turned that around. And I think we're all just just hoping this form can continue. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to see him fail as such. I know people are quick to bash managers when they when they fail, but um, I think I think a lot of us do. Well, we we do want to see Solskjaer succeed. So. That's that's a positive, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And you've you've touched on there, Pogba and Fernandez. Obviously, Pogba coming back from an injury, almost like a new signing, really. The, the old cliche, really, isn't it? And, uh, mm-hmm. and Fernandez, <coughs> an actual new signing in January. Those two mm-hmm. have been key uh, since the restart. What do you think about that as a partnership, and specifically, you know, a man who divides opinion, Paul Pogba? A lot of discussion whether he should he should stay or leave. What what do you think of that sort of ultimatum at this point in time? Well, see, well, Paul Pogba. A couple of things are key. First of all, he has to have a better alternative than United. And I don't see where that comes at the moment with Barcelona and Real Madrid having no money. So where does he go? Uh, Juventus have put a salary cap on players, so I don't see him going there. They just signed Arthur for 73 million, so Mm. I don't see him going there. So where would he go? So I think it's in his best interest to stay where where he is. Um, And for him to continue doing what he's doing, still at one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Where we will get big answers is... How you know will play against big and against big teams that can match them in midfield, and whether they'll play with Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba in games where they won't dominate possession, because there's a bit of a midfield vulnerability there uh, mm-hmm. defensively, because neither Pogba or Fernandes are going to track back, and it leaves you a little bit exposed when Matic just back there. It'll be yeah. interesting to see the, the games that they've got coming up are games they would expect to win. They've got so we may not see that till next season. Mm. But we've got, we've gone talking about one of the worst midfields in United's history at the first start of the season to say and Jack Grealish won't get in that midfield. So in that sense, you look you know players won the eleven. Schultz improved almost all of them. Um, there's still some gaps there, and they have a problem at left back they need to address. Um, but for the most part, we're talking about a team who we were sending four or five players this summer just saying you know maybe they don't need that many and you're wondering where the players that they were targeting six months ago fit in and you know Sancho is I think someone that they should sign I mm-hmm. think uh, 
we shouldn't get carried away with this. We've been here before with United, and and it's all gone wrong. And then questions get asked. But I think if you get an opportunity to sign a player like Jadon Sancho, you take it um, mm. you know, because Martial's not going to stay fit throughout the entire season, and um, you United are not going to be able to play these players every week. Mason Greenwood's still only 18; he naturally have dips in form, you know. So I think it's United need to get another right hand side of player in. Mm. <clears throat> Just going back to Paul Pogba, and I know people get a bit sick of you know hearing about him and talking about him, so I apologise. But it's something that people it, it does divide opinion. Um, obviously, it's, it's all gone a bit blown over now. But I think we've got to speak about the sort of the contra the, con- the controversy surrounding sort of him and his treatment from certain segments of the media, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of talk about obviously Mina Raiola, an agent, perhaps one of the only few agents people mm-hmm. actually know the name of uh, for, for, for reasons good or bad. What do you think about the whole way? You know, Raiola spoke about Solskjaer and sort of the, the the team sort of you know Pogba sort of sat in the middle of this almost spat across the media. What, what how do you think that was dealt with by Pogba and Raiola and then and then by Solskjaer and Manchester United? Well, I think it's difficult for Solskjaer because what can, what really can he do? You know, mm. Pogba's his best player. Um, you can get rid of him if you really want, but in order to get rid of him, you need a buyer. So uh, they, there's nothing they can do. I think it was handled extremely poorly because I think. Mina Riola works for Paul Pogba. Mina, Paul Pogba is in control of what Mina Riola says and does. So I don't believe anything Mina Riola says isn't done with the blessing of Paul Pogba. Mm. And look, I know the people around Paul Pogba are extremely intelligent people. Yeah, I've met them before. And um, they're very calculated. They're very intelligent. They were very, very careful about the things that they do. And I must say, Paul himself is a really lovely lad. Uh, just a, a, a class human being. Mm. But um, what, I'm, what, what has happened at United has been extremely poor. And um, Minariola is who he is. You hire him for a reason. Um, his players are typically very loyal to him. Um, and the person that runs that agency isn't Minariola anyway. It's, uh, it's a Brazilian lady called Rafael Pimenta. <clears throat> Mm. And uh, she is the one that calls all the shots at what goes on in there. And that woman is an extremely impressive lady. She speaks six different languages. She's a Brazilian lawyer. Right. And she is extremely smart. Mm. Um, and so uh, everything they do is calculated. So yeah. that would not have been an off-the-cuff remark from Riola. Mm. I just think Pogba, when you look back at what happened before the City game, where Pep Guardiola was saying he was offered him, I think... He owed it to United to come out. I mean, this is United's biggest rivals. If this happened at Juventus or anywhere else, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Pogba would get slaughtered for it. Mm. And I think regardless of whether you're happy at a football club or not, you know, it's okay if Paul Pogba wants to leave. I wouldn't have blamed him if he wanted to leave. Um, I probably would have commended him, actually, because he had professional standards. But you just don't do it this way. And I just think you have to remember about the fans in this. And remember that the fans have to get up every day with Manchester City fans. And they don't want to go into work the next day being taunted that their best player wants to go and play for them. Mm. You know, this happened with Wayne Rooney too, remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not just Paul Pogba. When Wayne Rooney was linked with Man City, you know, the fans didn't like it for obvious reasons. So it's it's just disappointing the way it was handled. 
No, I agree. And I think the one thing I've said throughout is is that I think, you know, it, it wasn't hard to dispel from, from Pogba's side, really. As you say, Solskjaer a bit mm-hmm. a bit powerless, really, you know, sat sat in the hot seat and watching this all go on with, with little power, really. I think Paul Pogba, out of respect for the fans, it would have been nice to get that sort of reassurance from him that, you know, he's not going anywhere or if he is going somewhere, you know, you know, just say it's set, keeping it straight um, rather than keeping it all behind the scenes and uh, keeping the questions well, asked. But that, that was my only sort of, Sort of with the way Look, ultimately, the real issue here is above Solskjaer. Because the reason is Paul Pogba feels he can do this because United need him more than he needs United. Right, yeah. And this is what happened with Wayne Rooney when he was running down his contract and saying that United had to keep him because there was no other player at that football club that was being demanded as much by sponsors. So Rooney's value to United was monetary as well as obviously professional. Mm. So he had the clout to do that, and United had to bend it as well because they they couldn't lose him. Um, He was key to sponsors. Once they brought in other players, top players, it took away Rooney's ability to hold the club to ransom because they could afford to lose him. So the fact that Solskjaer was in a position where he had to cajole Paul Pogba because he had no no other alternative, that's the people above United's fault, above Solskjaer's fault, that Paul Pogba has that power in the first place. Mm. Going um from from potential outgoings with sort of Pogba, going on to another midfielder who looked like he was set to sign for United. Him and his uh, him and his dad visited Carrington uh, quite recently, and the, the deal never materialised. He's obviously off to Dortmund now. That's Jude Bellingham, uh, the the young man from from Birmingham. Some sort of alarm mm. bells ringing in that you know we we missed out on Erling Haaland back in January to mm-hmm. Dortmund. This is another player now that's that's not been uh, not been sold on the perhaps not sold on the project at United. I mean that's just talk really, but I mean. Can't see any other reason uh, why you'd go to Dortmund. Perhaps uh, you know, T for first team games have been have been promised there. Do you think that's something to worry about as a United fan seeing a couple of young players opting to go elsewhere, not not uh, the biggest club in England? Of course. Well, think about it from a couple of perspectives. First of all, um, if you're not going to sign the top end players at the market, like United are saying they're not going to anymore, then you have to sign the best young players. So you can't keep missing out on them. Yeah. We talked about Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba's situation has completely changed in just a couple of months. He now looks like a happy footballer that no, one, no longer wants to leave. Mm. Why couldn't the same have happened to Holland? People talk about this buyer clause. Are you telling me that Manchester United didn't know that buyer clause existed whenever they made a move for him? The first thing you do before you go buy anything is you find out the price. Mm. So, And if they didn't know, and they only found out the day he signed for Dortmund, it's an aptitude beyond belief. Yeah. So I don't believe for one minute that that was a surprise to them and that was the reason why the deed didn't go through. Um, in any other situation where a manager gives a player a debut, he would be nailed on favourite to sign that player for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. Right? <clears throat> so if you're not going to sign the top players and you have to sign the best young players, missed out on it. Jude Bellingham, what could Dortmund offer him that United can? All they can say to him is, if you play well, you will play in the first team. No one can offer you guaranteed first team mm. football. It's all contingent upon your performance. No player walks into a football club and says, I demand to be in the first team. Everyone knows it's based upon how you perform. Richard Dorman's not going to play Jude Ballin if he's not playing well. Mm. And when you look at Manchester United, it's a football club that gives young players a chance. We're not asking them to go to Chelsea. We're not asking them to go to other clubs that don't do that. I mean, maybe this season Chelsea have done it. So if there's a young German player in the second division, Fantastic young talent, and it comes down to Manchester United and Bayern Munich. That young kid's going to Bayern Munich. Mm. That doesn't Bayern Munich don't lose those players. So why are Man United losing those players? So I talked to Harry Redknapp, who gave him his debut, 
Yeah. And, and he told me that Jude Bellingham will be a hundred million pound player in two years. Mm. So the fact that United are losing these players and not being able to convince them. Look, it's encouraging that they're going after young players at this stage of their career, which they should have been doing years ago. But you can't keep missing out on them. No. It's you know, and so whatever people say, it's a failure of Manchester to attract these players. And why would Dortmund concede anything on Jadon Sancho if they didn't need to? If Jude yeah. Bellingham makes a decision to go to Borussia Dortmund, why would Dortmund say to Man United, you know what, we'll also give you a free run at Jadon Sancho? There's no need to do that. No. They wouldn't do it. No, sure. So <clears throat> I don't believe United pulled out of the Jude Bellingham deal to get a free run at Jadon Sancho. I think that's just panic kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a failure once again if United's so-called recruitment team to bring so nice so good just like every other manager at United has to go sell for second, third and fourth choices and there's a reason why these players don't there's a reason why these players fail. Yeah. So it's just really disappointing. No, I completely agree with you there. And another player who perhaps is is a bit different, obviously already at the club, Angel Gomez, obviously mm-hmm. uh, re- rejected United's uh, contract. To be honest, I'm not too worried about. You know, this is my personal opinion now. I'm not too worried about his departure, in uh, in the sense of that I don't think he was ever going to make it for us, and uh, um, he hasn't shown enough in the time that he's given. Obviously, even if that was little time. Where do you stand on that? Do you think that's sim- a similar worry though, in that you know he's not seen, you know he's not being given the time and he's not being sold on the project the same as Haaland and uh, and Bellingham? No, I think there's a totally different situation. Gomez was at United, mm. so he could have been played at any time. Bellingham and Haaland couldn't. Um, Angel Gomez just didn't do enough in the games that he was played in. Look, yeah. this is Manchester United. Okay, it's one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Not every young player is going to make it. Most won't. Most won't make it here. And when you get a chance, you have to take it. You have to take it like Mason Greenwood has. You have to take it like other young players that have got in the United team have. You can't make comparisons to the likes of Andres Pereira because they were being played at a necessity, not because they were good enough. And once Solskjaer got the alternatives, they're not playing. So, Angel Gomez just didn't do enough. You know, he, he, England under 17 captain, but he played something like seven or nine minutes in that entire tournament. Mm. You know, and so he just hasn't done enough. And in some ways, I commend the kid because he had a contract offer. He could have stayed at United, but he said, no, I want to go play first-team football somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good decision. Yeah. So I think like, this is a, this is not an easy football club to break into. Lots of promising young players just don't make it. And he may go on to be an exceptional young talent somewhere else. But at this football club, with the pressure that's on the manager, you have to win games. You know, I was, I was interviewing a guy the other day <clears throat> about Benfica and Porto. And they won't play their young players either because of the pressure they're under. Yeah. And they have some fantastic young talents at their football club. So this is not new. Even in clubs that have to bring through young players have a reticence to play them. So Angel Gomez is a great young talent. But to play Manchester United to want to start games, to demand, you don't have a divine right to start any game. You have to earn the right to yeah. start a game. And so... Solskjaer would have played him if he had done that. He just didn't do enough in the games that he played. I wish the kid all the best. It's disappointing because I wanted to work out, but it just didn't happen for him. No, I, I, I get where you're coming from there, to be honest. And yeah, I think it's a, everyone, despite their opinion on him, is, is sad to see. I and mean, it's always sad to see, no matter who it is, a youth player that, that we've obviously been excited about. I remember the excitement mm-hmm. at, um, at Old Trafford. I was, I was there that day, actually, with the Palace home game, where it was um, you know really exciting times. All these young players out there, Josh Harrop, mm-hmm. who scored. And you say they don't mm-hmm. make it. You know, Josh Harrop scored and ended up at Preston within a few months. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a prime example, really, isn't it? Um, one man who mm-hmm. is... Uh, playing his trade at United, uh, young talent is Mason Greenwood. I I can't believe how good he is. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Where, where do you stand on Mason Greenwood? 
<clears throat> kid speaks for himself. He's two-footed. He's sensational. Brilliant feet, balanced, mm. direct, scores goals, always looking to score goals. Um, he's going to be under immense pressure because the focus is going to continue to increase on him. And the pressure is going to continue to increase on him. And he's not going to be allowed to be a young player and have bad games. This is the only part you worry about with young players is their second season whenever the expectation creeps in whenever they're no longer just a, a boy wonder whenever you know you see this with a lot of young players they go through different stages of development <clears throat> he's a sensational young talent but people need to give him room to breathe he's only 18 he has to make mistakes he's going to have dips in form he's going to have maybe five six games where he doesn't play well and then you're going to have people like doubting him and you're going to have all these idiots on the internet that on twitter they're going to call his form because the last 19 minutes defines everything to them. Um, that uh, And he's going to get that pressure. And social media, because young kids are on social media, he's going to see all this. Mm. And, uh, you know, so it, it, it's... I think Mason Greenwood is a magnificent young talent, but I don't like the fact that United have to rely on him because it puts enormous pressure on him. Um, this is why I think it's important they bring in Jadon Sancho so that they can play him properly. He'll still play football games. He'll still play a lot of football games. Mm. But we can't leave it to an 18-year-old to win games for us week in, week out. Not that you know, to do at the minute, but there's enormous pressure on him to be brilliant every week. Mm. He's sensational talent. And, um, but remember, he's 18. He just turned 18. The immaturity that I had at 18... <laughs> the decisions that I made, right? the stupid decisions that I made, the, the idiotic things that I did, the beliefs that I had, the, the, I mean, it's madness. Mm. You think that, you know, I couldn't have been relied to go on to get out of bed on time at 8 o'clock, at 18. <laughs> you know, I mean, just imagine the pressure that's on that kid every week. So, um, sensational talent. I, I'm very, very excited about him. I think he has everything. Um, I, he will, in my opinion, go and be one of the top players in, in the world. Mm. And uh, but I think uh, Solskjaer, he's he's, he's Solskjaer knows how to handle him. Solskjaer was a forward himself. He also knows there's going to be times he's going to need to be taken out of the team and rested and left on the bench for a couple of weeks, and that's going to be really important. But so, um, but unfortunately at the minute he offers so much more than Dan James on the right, and they're in a position where they need to keep winning games. He'll probably be played until the end of the season, but um, he uh, he needs to be handled properly and. Very few 18-year-olds play every week. Mm. Speak about Dan James there. He's another player that divides mm-hmm. opinion. I'm always interested to hear what people think about him. Uh, what, mm. what, what are your thoughts on Dan James? And what, what role do you think he should play in the squad? Do you think, you know, talk of him being loaned out? Do you think that's the right move for him? Mm. Well, I was first suggest that I thought it was stupid. Um, I'm like, why would you need to loan him out? Mm. And then I thought, well, look, if you're looking at Dan Matriori, there's a player whose development, uh, he was written off at Middlesbrough, his development wasn't great. It happened later on in his career where he got physically strong. Now he's one of the top wingers in the Premier League and loads of clubs want him. I think you have to be careful of writing these players off too too soon. Dan James is a very, very good player on the counter-attack. If you get him in behind, he's got tremendous pace. And he's not a bad deliverer of the ball. I mean, his assists are not bad this season. My concern with him is when teams sit in against United, as they will do, and, they, and he plays in front of a defender. He doesn't have the quality in front of defenders to create and uh, gets caught in possession. Um, and I, so that's where I think Mason Greenwood offers United much more. So he's a good squad player, um, but he can't be the answer to United on the right-hand side. He can't be the long-term solution until he develops other aspects of his game. You have to be able to beat a player. When you look at 
other wide players in the Premier League. He's not in the class of, of, of Son. He's not in the class of Avellian. He's not in the class of those players that can beat players mm. easily and score goals and maybe add 15, 16 goals a season to their team. That's what you need. That's what Mason Greenwood brings. So that's where I get concerned. When United have to rotate, the quality drop-off is just too big. Yeah. Going back on to um, Solskjaer and, and the form, obviously, before, as I said, you know the, the poor run of form that we endured, a man who loomed very large overall, that was Maurizio Pochettino, a man who is currently and still now unemployed. Talk of him going to Newcastle, obviously not come to fruition, yeah. uh, fr- to come to fruition just yet. But uh, you know he's still looming large over over Solskjaer. Mm. Um, there was a suggestion a few months ago that he was perhaps going to be the United manager next season. Do you think that stance has changed from Manchester United uh, with, oh, with this run of form? Uh, United talked to him in I think it was December or something I can't remember. Mm. Um, I definitely talked to Pochettino, um, which is the right thing to do at the time. United were a mess, and there was no way out of it. But like, and you look at Solskjaer getting this job. He didn't get the job because he sat down and convinced United on a strategy, or because he fitted a strategy, or because he was some outstanding manager. He got the job on an opportunistic basis. You're in the right place at the right time. Mm. Take this job for a while. This is the part that concerns me, is that he didn't get this job as a result of United's commitment to a certain strategy. They just sort of fell upon a solution. Yeah. And it's still hard for me to believe that Slutsker is going to be so good and there's a, there's a world-class manager in there ahead that's going to topple Klopp and Guardiola. As much as I'd love to see it, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So Slutsker got this job on the back of a technicality and it sort of fell into this solution and he's done an absolutely unbelievable job so far truly unbelievable what he's done um, I know you can easily point to the league table but like I said you have to break it up into different segments when he's got the players that he wants you know have consistently improved so um, I think um, it's with Solskjaer, I don't know. I, 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 what was your question again, Matt? Sorry, I forgot. No, no it's about Pochettino. Is, is, is oh, Pochettino, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think Pochettino is, is a serious consideration for United at the minute. I don't think so. I, I think that um, he is a very, very good coach. But since when did a Sax Spurs manager become a Manchester United candidate? Mm. I mean, I, 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 to me, if you want to be a Manchester United manager, uh, you have to very least show that you've won trophies because when you hit uh, the bad times that's what you're going to lean on to get you through the, the the your resume the fact that you can convince people that you're good enough to get out of this that your track record when you have no track record and you hit on bad times people lose faith very quickly as yeah, we've yeah. seen with Solskjaer yeah. so I don't see Pochettino coming to United no no I think that's a really good point there as well and you know that's an argument that a lot of people make isn't it that um, you know when Jose Mourinho fell on hard times, you know there was always that, <laughs> as you say, he had that pedigree to back him up. And you know people yeah. say, you know, you know why why aren't you giving Solskjaer the time you gave Mourinho? And a lot of people's argument is that yeah, that he had those trophies behind him. So yeah, it's a mm-hmm. it's a very good point. Um, you've already talked about you know perhaps a couple of positions that United need to strengthen. Uh, what what signings do United uh, you know need in order to challenge? I know Sancho is one that's obviously perhaps mm. you know very likely, but, but but apart from that, what other signings do you, do you think United need to, to challenge? In what positions? I still think they need a left back. Mm. Uh, I think they need a ball playing centre back because you need a really poor playing at a defence. Yeah. Um, you see this quite a lot where they play at a defence um, and they get caught. I can't remember, was it the first goal against Bournemouth? You know, they were playing at a defence, got mm. caught and conceded. Um, it, and I also think the goal was disallowed. You know, they got really, really poor playing from the back. 
uh, Harry Maguire is not a ball playing defender. Yeah. So they need to me. They need another defender other than Lindelof that can play out from the back. Um, uh, left back position. Luke Shaw was targeted against Spurs. You saw that with Mourinho, who knows that he's weak one on one. I mean, I remember Dana Traore skinning him. Uh, Bergwin had too much pace for him, um, and they tar- Luke Shaw gets targeted a lot. Sheffield United targeted him too. Yeah. So I think uh, they need a left back that gives them something going forward that also can defend. They're not easy to find. Uh, Brandon Williams is a very, very good young defender, but again, it's a massive ask that they... You know, when, when Carlos Queiroz took over Real Madrid and they had the Zidane and Pavon's mm. uh, policy, and so it, look, the Pavon's have to be the best in the world. And when you're talking about a club like Manchester United that demands success every week, you it's very rare you're going to pluck someone from your academy because you have to think about What's the likelihood that the kid in your academy is the best available in that position around the world? Not high. Mm. So the question is, is Brandon Williams the best and available to United in that position? Because that's the only question worth answering. Mm. Not we want to see him play because he's one of our kids. Yeah. None of that. Right? That's all nostalgic nonsense. And, and then when teams lose, they forget about that. So I think they have a left-back problem. We've seen the best and worst of Luke Shaw the best of Luke Shaw is not good enough for a club wanting to win the league. You look at clubs that are going to win, they're, they're, you know, you look at City, you look at Liverpool, they're very, very strong in those positions. Um, so I think that is something you know, they need to improve upon. And uh, they need a left back, probably. I mean, uh, you could argue City need to improve at left back as well as Zinchenko and uh, I think Mandy's other left back is really mm. poor for me. But. Um, but Luke Shaw is not good enough, uh, and you need a bad. You need a, a top left back. You need another centre back for me, and I still think you need another uh, forward because I think the front three are very, very good when they're fit. Um, but Martial's injured too much, and Igalo mm-hmm. um, still hasn't scored in the Premier League. Very, very good player. He scored in all the cup competitions in Middle League. Doesn't play much in the Premier League, but is he Manchester United standard? I, I don't think so. Mm. And so I think that's something that's going to have to... If Martial get injured, would you trust the Gallo playing up front on his own in 10-game stretch against City, Liverpool, against all these top teams? Because when you buy players, top players, you're not buying them to beat Norwich, you're not buying them to beat Sheffield United, you're mm. buying them to beat Liverpool, City, the top teams, where they make the difference. Yeah. And so that, to me, is where United still need strengthening. Mm. You speak there about uh, about a centre back as well, and you you know you mm. touch on someone. I, I'm guessing you you are saying to partner Harry Maguire. I'm guessing you're saying you, you don't yeah. think Victor Lindelof's a starter at Manchester United. No, I think he, I think Lindelof gets bullied too easy. I think uh, he, he's a steady defender, but I still think I worry about him against the physical number nine. Yeah, yeah. I think um, and if you look at him, decent player, uh, but uh, not. United quality for me, not standard to win the league. Look, I, I think you get into City's team. Uh, their defense centre backs are really poor. Uh, but I think uh, for United, they need a proper ball playing centre back that has balls. Mm. If if Bayou is more consistent, I would take Bayou over Lindelof. Well, mm. Bayou's just too rash. Mm. But he's a better ball playing defender than, than than Lindelof. And he was really impressive when he first came in. He's very quick. He needs that pace because it gets him out of trouble sometimes. But um, I think they need a ball-playing centre-back that has... Maguire has courage, he has balls, but 
you know, I don't think he's an eighty million pound defender, but that just is a reflection of the fact that there's not a lot of very good defenders out there, more than mm. the fact that Harry Maguire's an eighty million pound defender. Um, two and Zebi's injured far too much. He's only played about ten games United, and he's twenty three already. That's a big concern. He's missing out key developmental years of his career. So I think that's a problem they need to fix. Yeah. Uh, the two main players we've already mentioned, uh, Sancho, the, the main link player, and then Grealish as well, someone who mm. you know, a lot of United fans want to add for it as a sort of depth option who can play in a few positions. Um, what do you think of the likelihood of those two coming to United in the next window, Sancho and Grealish? Um, Sancho I go back and forth on. Um, let's put it like this. If he doesn't sign Sancho, it's a failure. Yeah, and one, United will have pursued him for over a year and failed to land him. This is ex- unacceptable. You know, mm-hmm. the, at every other department of the football club, United wouldn't accept that level of ineptitude. If there, if you had that level of ineptitude on the business side of United, where you were responsible for bringing in sponsors and you were pursuing big sponsors for a year and a half and ended up empty-handed repeatedly, you get sacked. Yeah, because United value revenue. So why on earth are these people who are supposed to be responsible the Experts, I, who no one has an idea who they are. Um, why are these people allowed to do this and continuously fail? Uh, Jack Grealish is very gettable. Uh, you know, I'm quite sure you know how Jack Grealish should Old Trafford in, fe- in February. Mm. Um, he would like to go there. But when I look at Jack Grealish, he's a very good player. But I wouldn't drop Pogba Fernandez for him. So where does he play? I mean, I don't think he's coming to Man United to, to, to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're talking about a guy that still hasn't represented his country yet. So, yeah. you know, good player, but he's in the prime of his career. This is probably as good as Jack Grealish gets. Um, so, are we, you know, really want to go out and spend 60, 70 million? No way. I wouldn't spend 60, 70 million Jack Grealish. I think there's better players out there. Found the beaks available for cheaper. Um, so, to me, I think. Uh, if you, want, if you want to get out of midfielder to that, that's fine. They probably do need another midfielder because, again, when they rotate, the drop-off is too great. But I wouldn't do it with Greg. See, this is where Jude Bellingham is perfect for me. Yeah. It's a guy at 17 who would sit on the bench sometimes. You could bring him in. You could bleed him through. That's where I think you need to improve. I think you need to send a few really good young players that can fill out that squad when they want to rotate that are capable of being first-team players. Um, and I, so... Uh, I, I hope that's what they do this summer. They signed Tiedon Sancho, which they badly need quality on the right-hand side. I know we've, we've talked about Mason Greenwood, but that won't last forever. Uh, and, and he can't play every week. And then I think um, they, they, with, with a couple of other young players in that team, if they can develop, where you're not going to spend massive amounts of money. But I, I just have my doubts. Of, you know, every year... I have my serious doubts about United's you know, competency in in the market, and I'm never let down, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you with that. Um, I think I think we're all in the same boat in uh, in in watching the circus unfold uh, every summer mm-hmm. and seeing seeing what they manage to get done and what they don't. Um, it's usually there's usually some disappointment attached to that, uh, un- unfortunately. Nemanja mm-hmm. um, Matic is uh, another man who's been very good uh, in, in very good form since the restart and actually before that, really sort of since the beginning of the year, really. Uh, mm-hmm. Times last year, I think a lot of people had said that he'd lost his legs, but he hasn't really yet. He seems to have proved himself again. Um, there's still a suggestion that you know he's, he's getting on a little bit now. I think he believes he's 31. Nemanja Matic, um, you know, talk of a replacement. Everyone's got a different opinion on that. Uh, my personal choice would be Declan Rice. Do you think man, man, there's a chance of Manchester United going out and replacing the Man United this summer, or do you think that's going to be one that's put on hold for another year? 
Mm, I don't see them doing it this summer, not with handing them a new contract and not with the form of Fred. Mm. I think they'll push that off. It's quite bizarre to me that they gave him a three-year contract at 31. You know, don't do that. I don't understand why they did it. And look, yes, he's 31. He's playing well. But would it surprise you if Maddox went on a really poor run of form? It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. And all of a sudden, that contract comes into focus. I don't, you know, some make some really strange decisions at times. This is almost akin to the Mourinho contract renewal, where they were starting to lose faith with him, but gave him a new contract anyway. And then six months later, it looked like a terrible decision, and it cost me a lot of money. Uh, and so I'm looking at the marriage, marriage going, well, you give him a three-year contract, so yeah. it's going to pick him up to 34, 35. Um, he's clearly not going to be playing for United week in week out, 34, 35. Mm. So why do this? You know, give him another year, and if he doesn't want, to, I, I think it's just I would assume. That that's what it was going to take to keep him, and he was going to move on. You know, didn't want to address that, so um, they've given him that contract. But I, I, it's too long for me. No, I think I get, I get your point on that one, and um, yeah, it's another interesting decision from the club. <coughs> another questionable one that uh, I'm sure people have different things to say about. Um, just before we go, I've got we'll go one last uh, one last question for you. It's uh, what are your sort of final predictions for United now. Obviously, in a good spot in the Premier League, mm. uh, we're still in the FA Cup in the semi final. Obviously, that that got that uh, got that next next Sunday, I believe it is, uh, and um, then obviously still in the Europa League as well in August. Um, what what are your predictions for United in sort of across the board? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I think obviously you know, United have. If, I think if they were able to finish in the top four, which looks very possible, I think Leicester are very catchable. Um, I think United and Chelsea might make the top four. I think that's a good finish for Solskjaer. Yeah. Obviously, you have Chelsea in the FA Cup, which is a very, very difficult game. But United have got a good record against them. Um, like I said earlier, if Solskjaer can win a trophy. And I would rather they won a trophy than finish top four. I think top four has ruined football in many ways. And it's ruined a lot of clubs where it now becomes almost like a trophy when it is not to be celebrated. Just getting entry into the Champions League is not something to be celebrated. It's a business mm-hmm. accomplishment. Yeah. And I, it, it's great if, it uses, if it's used as a springboard to bring in players to push you on. That's fine. But yeah. how often do we see that? When Liverpool were qualifying for Champions Leagues under Brendan Rodgers, they were never investing mm-hmm. properly. When United were doing it under Mourinho, they signed Fred and Lee Grant and uh, Dallow one summer, which was disgraceful. He finished second. There were six points ahead of Liverpool that season. Mm. And then they got, look look at the gap now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Klopp has not had a single resource available to him that not one Man United manager hasn't had available to him. So it's down to mismanagement that these clubs are in totally different situations. So if you look at United's remaining fixtures, Villa, Palace, West Ham, Leicester, Southampton, Villa away is a difficult game. You know, they, they were unlucky against Liverpool Palace, were unlucky against Chelsea last night. Mm-hmm. West Ham, they're poor, uh, but they're unpredictable. Leicester's a difficult game. So, you know, I think if they finish top four and win a trophy, I think that is a fantastic accomplishment. But with United, you just don't know. And, and so um, they're in a great run of form. They're in confident mood. I think they'll win tomorrow at Villa. Um, and I think they'll get enough to finish top four. But, um, a trophy, you know, if, if Solskjaer was to win top four and win Europa League, that would be an unbelievable achievement considering where they were. And, uh, and you know, the FA Cup, maybe City in the final, that would mm. be an unbelievable final. Uh, Solskjaer's got a great record against City. Yeah. 
but but um, and this is the best time to play them because defensively they're very weak. I mean, they're very strong up front. Mm. Um, so um, there's three very winnable trophies for United. Well, two very winnable trophies plus the top four. Um, the question is, do you have the squad to, to win the rest of these games and not pick up injuries? That's going to be key. If they don't pick up injuries, then all three of them are on. If they pick up injuries, I would really, really worry. Mm. And I, if I could pick one, it would be the Europa League. Yeah. Trophy and, uh, yeah. and Champions League qualification. It's two and one, really, isn't yeah. it, that one? Exactly. Yeah. Because no, I, I don't want to get in the back door. No. I don't want to get in the back door. And I don't want... Top four, to me, is a, a heartless finish. FA Cup is a great competition, but it doesn't get you Champions League. I would like to see now win Europa League. Yeah. I've had a big one. <clears throat> mm. It was all fun, wasn't it, in uh, Stockholm a few years ago. Obviously, yes. that game had a lot of weight to it, didn't it? And it, it was yeah. a it was a great game that and obviously it's I think it's sort of changed my outlook on the Europa League at least. I think when you can when you can win it it's a much more enjoyable competition. Um Well especially if you need it because they needed to win it to round out all three European trophies exactly. that they hadn't yeah. won and so now they've won all three, which was great. And uh it was very promising back then under Mourinho and um mm. But uh, hopefully, they, they, it would be absolutely criminal if they don't back Solskjaer this summer. Um, and that's my fear, is that if he does finish top four, what it will convince United that things aren't as bad as what they seem. Mm. And they will look for a reason not to spend. I sincerely hope that's not the case. No, you and me both. Phil, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank absolute you. pleasure, mate. Thank, Thank you for coming on. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if you've got any last, any last words you want to say to uh, to the listeners. Nah, listen, just to yourself, congratulations on the podcast, good luck with it, mate, thanks for the all United fans for listening, I hope you're all well and safe during this difficult time, um, thanks for everything you do for me, for the downloads, likes, retweets and all that, down and follows and everything, I don't take any of it for granted, um, thanks for having me on, mate, I much appreciate it, I'd be happy to do it anytime, and um, I hope everyone out there is safe and well, and uh, I hope this podcast temporarily lifts your spirits if you're down, um, mm. so uh Thanks to everybody. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.